We used to be able to understand the basic difference between right and wrong. We used to understand the value of family and a baby. When we said, love your neighbor, that didn't mean kill them. Today on Church Public, the California governor uses the words of Jesus to promote abortion vacations, apparently. Also, an MSNBC host condemns you as a heretic, a Christian heretic, if you don't get an abortion, or at least promote abortion to everybody else. This host claims that Jesus never talked about abortion, so it's just okay, and everybody should probably do it. Is this really what the Bible says about abortion? Did Jesus really not mention abortion at all, and therefore abortion is not only acceptable, but good? Let's take a look at these current events from a Christian perspective. I'm Matt Odegaard, and this is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard, and I am your host as always. Thank you so much for stopping by. If you were listening on audio, I really appreciate you. I love you. I thank you so much for being a part of this show and making it what it is. This is a labor of love quite literally, and I really appreciate all of your support through the years. If you find this interesting, helpful, whatever, hit the like, hit the subscribe, hit the share, send it to somebody whom you might think also finds this interesting or helpful. I want you to understand current events from a Christian perspective, and I want you to follow Jesus and engage in the public square. More and more, this culture is telling us that you're only allowed to have faith or practice faith or be religious in your home and maybe in your church, but nowhere else. Definitely not at your school, not at your work, not at the marketplace. You can't have faith or religion or belief in Jesus anywhere except for the private places of life. That's not faith. That's not religion. That really isn't. That really isn't the way that we're supposed to love God with our heart and soul and mind and strength. That is everything. All that we are. All of the time. All of Christ for all of life. That's the way we're supposed to live. That's the way Jesus intended for us to live and calls us to live. When he says, follow me, he doesn't mean to church. He means in your whole life. But this culture is saying you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. Well, you are, and you should. So I want to help you navigate this crazy world that we're in. Again, if this is helpful, send it to somebody. You can leave a five-star review. If you want to support, you can go to churchpublic.com support. I appreciate anything and everything. So without further ado, let's get into some topics of the day. Okay, so um, we're, we're actually going to start with the California governor, Gavin Newsom, because Oh, we have to. Anyway, so here's Gavin Newsom. He put this, or his team, or somebody put out this social media post that says, Need an abortion? California is ready to help. Learn more at abortion.ca.gov. Thank you, California. Now, I wouldn't say that's fine, but that's par for the course, right? That's that's what we've been getting from him for a long time at this point. And we know that California is a sanctuary, I wouldn't even say city, a sanctuary state where they will literally pay for you to come from another state, put you up in a hotel, and pay for your abortion. And in other words, when I say they will pay, what I really mean is you, if you're a resident of California, will pay for someone to travel to California to stay in a hotel in California for all of the procedures that they undertake in California to get an abortion. California is taxing you to pay for these things. So that's one thing, which is pretty bad. This part gets even a little bit crazier. So back to the slide, if you're just listening, I will describe for you the verse that he cites on this slide, Mark 12, 31, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Paid for by Gavin, or sorry, paid for by Newsom for California Governor 2022. Oh my. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I just I don't even know where to go with this. It's so wrong on so many levels. 
So the claim here, let's unpack, unpack the claim. The claim here is if you love your neighbor, that means you allow them, pay for them to get an abortion because loving somebody means you can kill babies because a woman's right to choose and choose whatever they want and uh, act like a man in terms of their career or whatever. Because again, I've talked to you about actresses, about celebrities, about all, uh, there were sports uh, people, women who were in sports, and they all said, if I had not gotten this abortion, I wouldn't be a successful person in life today. And it's so sad and it's such a lie, first of all. So, then we get back to this idea of loving your neighbor. Now, he doesn't go into the entirety of what Jesus says, and I even mentioned it earlier, if you caught it, love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. That is the first that the first commandment that Jesus answers. Uh, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law come up to him and say, hey, teacher, we know you're really smart and really good. And they actually intended to trap him. That's a side story we won't get into right now. But they intended to trap him, and they asked him, what is the best commandment. Jesus says, love your neighbor. I'm sorry, I did it backwards. And Jesus says, um, love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. He's quoting Deuteronomy there. And he says, before they can even get a word in edgewise, also love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the reason he did this is he wanted to expand the idea because these Pharisees were very selfish, as many of us are today as well. And in fact, this whole thing, this whole story is all about selfishness. Why? Because it's about a person who is a woman who is pregnant by her own choices and then decides, for my reasons, I don't want to have this baby. You can argue against that all day, but that is the fundamental baseline of this whole thing. It just really is. And so in this quote that Governor Newsom says, love your neighbor by letting your neighbor kill the baby or something. Again, it doesn't make any sense. It literally doesn't make any sense. But if there were any kind of like uh, using the Bible out of out of context, this would win a great award for that for sure. Definitely using the Bible out of context and loving your neighbor, just just to put it as plainly as I can, is the second commandment that is important like the first, but has to be within the context of the first. In other words, first you must love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Loving God means keeping his commandments, which Jesus himself says. In fact, we'll look at a couple of those in a few minutes. Because I always want to get back to the Bible. If you're just listening, I'm holding up the Bible again. I always want to get back to the Bible because that's where all of this is foundational. You can hate me. You can throw their phone out the window because you're so mad at what I'm saying. That's fine. But most of this, in fact, all of this is not from me. This is from God's word. I'm just going to read you straight God's word in a minute. But before we get there, this is the point. You have to get the first things first. The first thing is love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, which means keeping his commandments, which means, I mean, just go back to the Ten Commandments. If you don't want to go all the way back to Genesis and say God made uh, man and woman and said, go forth and inhabit the earth and, um, and go forth and multiply. In other words, have children. In Genesis, he says this. And then in, uh, in Exodus, when he talks about the Ten Commandments and gives us the Ten Commandments, obviously, do not kill, right? <laughs> so... It's clear, as anything, that this is a problem. So before we go further on this, I want to go to MSNBC because this MSNBC host, Joe Scarborough, I, I, you know, I don't know if they coordinate these things. I just don't even understand it. But <laughs> this MSNBC host um, also uses the Bible, the scripture, very similar scripture here, um, 
for the same purpose in a slightly different way. Let's listen to this and then then we'll talk more about it. So here is MSNBC host Joe Scarborough telling you you're a heretic if you don't let people get abortions. Just say, as a Southern Baptist, wow. I grew up reading the Bible. Maybe a backslidden Baptist, but I still know the Bible. Jesus never once talked about abortion. Never once. And it was happening back in ancient times. It was happening during his time. Never once mentioned it. And for people perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ down to one issue, it's heresy. Go, if you don't believe me, if that makes you angry, why don't you do something you haven't done in a long time? Open the Bible, open the New Testament, read the red letters, you won't see it there. And yet there are people who are using Jesus as a shield to make 10-year-old rape girls go through a living and breathing hell here on earth. They've also conveniently overlooked the parts of the New Testament, where Jesus talks about taking care of the needy, taking care of those who are helpless, who live a hopeless life, because they believe, these state legislators believe, that life begins at fertilization and ends at childbirth. And Caddy, what a powerful message yesterday from a... All right, that's that's enough of that. But I mean, I'm going to start here. I agree. No, not with what he's saying, because what he's saying is absolutely moronic and ridiculous, and he doesn't understand the Bible at all. But he did say one true thing, that abortion is not... uh, Jesus didn't talk about abortion, and abortion is not in the Bible. Now, that's functionally true. Sure. There's also other things that are not in the Bible. The Trinity, the word Trinity, is not in the Bible. And the Trinity, if you didn't know, is the doctrine that God is three in one. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. If you're baptized, that's what you say. In many other contexts, that's what we know because God is three in one. They are not separate. And that's actually a very, very important doctrine that if you get wrong, is actually heresy. Because if you think God is a unique person and uh, or a unique God and Jesus is his own God and the Holy Spirit is some other kind of ghost God or whatever, that gets you into a lot of weird heretical places. In fact, there's a lot of cults, uh, really weird cults that are, they were formed because they didn't get that right, the Trinity right. But again, Trinity is not in the, in the Bible. Abortion is not in the Bible. Does that matter? I mean, can there be things that the Bible references but the word isn't there, and maybe that concept is still important. Scarborough insists that Jesus never once talked about abortion, and he says it was practiced at the time. So, of course, the the correlation, the conclusion there, I guess, is that abortion is not evil because Jesus didn't talk about it. And if it, if it was evil, Jesus would have talked about it, because obviously Jesus talked about every single possible issue in the history of the world before and to come that's evil. Or maybe he didn't because that's ridiculous. He doesn't have to talk about everything because conceptually there's certain things we know. And even simply, I mentioned this before, if you just go back to the Ten Commandments, if you just did the Ten Commandments, you really wouldn't have to do anything else because everything else would be covered by that. Uh, And even not taking that into consideration, Christians in the first century, century, Christians, right? So Jesus lived died, rose again, ascended into heaven to return one day. Um, Christians who followed after Jesus in the first century wrote this document called the Didache, 
they would agree with uh, Mr. Scarborough here. According to the Didache, uh, again, in the first century, so very close to when Jesus actually lived, they wrote, quote, the Lord's teaching through the 12 apostles to the nations, you shall not murder a child by abortion or kill that which is born, end quote. Direct quote from a document that was written by Christians very shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection. That seems pretty clear to me that people understood this way back then. Yes, he is correct. It's not in there. And Jesus didn't talk about it. And it was happening at the time. But Christians knew it was wrong. How is that possible? <laughs> and of course, that's kind of rhetorical because it should be obvious. Uh, Jesus reaffirmed the command from the Old Testament. You shall not murder. Again, Ten Commandments, Matthew nineteen eighteen. Because he says murder comes out of the heart and defiles a person, Matthew 15. However, Jesus goes even farther than that, which blew everybody's mind at the time and should continue to today. He says in Matthew 5, you have heard it was said, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be uh, subject to judgment. But Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother also sins and is liable to judgment. So he expands this idea of murder even farther than the Ten Commandments did. And all you have to do is draw a literal straight line from abortion, which is killing a baby, to murder, Ten Commandments, and Jesus' own words, and there you go. I mean, I did that in about two seconds. So yes, Jesus didn't say abortion, but he basically did. I mean, to not see this is just... I, blinders, uh, insanity, I don't know how many adjectives and words and, and I can add to this, but Jesus clearly prohibits murder. Abortion is murder. Jesus prohibits abortion. Couldn't be any clearer. It's also astounding to me that this host talks about protecting the least of these. He talks about Jesus' others, other commandments, like protecting the poor and the needy and the least of these, the most vulnerable population, and the most vulnerable population clearly is babies who cannot possibly protect himself. And the fact that that this host apparently can't see that he's literally talking about the most vulnerable population, but instead of saying, hey, we should protect them, he's saying, hey, we should kill them uh, because that's what Jesus wanted. And, And he says, you're a heretic if you don't agree that we should kill babies. I, it's it's just, it's mind-blowing, really, at, at the point where we're at here. Anyway, there's another fallacy that I want to get to that he kind of hits on, but but it's important to get to. I'm going to hold up my Bible again. Uh, uh, you know, just, if you're just listening, imagine that I'm holding it. So there's a fallacy here that I get from uh, Christians and non-Christians, and I get it quite a bit, and 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 it's important to make this distinction. So go, go with me here for a moment. <clears throat> he talks about the red letters, and he talks about reading the red letters. It, it's very important to to dive into this right now. If the, the claim here is the red letters, and, and if you don't know, and, and in fact, the Bible that I have in front of me doesn't have red letters, and, and uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But in, in the, the past few decades, they've made Bibles with Jesus' actual words, what he said in red letters. And that is supposed to signify that somehow the red letters are more important than the black letters. And maybe you have even thought this. I know there's a very popular Christian song about the red letters. But go deeper with your thinking here with me for a moment. Are Jesus' words more important than God's words? And you may think, well, it's Jesus. So yes, 
But 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 really just pause on that for a moment. Are Jesus' words more important than God's words? And I'm going to refer back to what we talked about a moment ago in the Trinity, in that Father, Son, um, and Holy Ghost, right? God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are part of the Trinity, so they are all united in that. Uh, I know they're separate, and there's all kinds of analogies that break down and to talk about, but, but what you need to understand is they are all, in their way, one God. So is Jesus, as God, saying something more important than God saying something, which he did throughout the Older Testament? Like, this is a really important point. And maybe you've thought this. Maybe you thought the red letters are the most important thing. They're the only important thing. Just go with the red letters. But if Jesus' words are more important than God's words, then you have to ask yourself, does Jesus ever contradict God? And I'll give you a spoiler on that. No, he does not. Jesus frequently quotes the Older Testament. And just for reference, the Bible was written without color coding or quotation marks. If you go to the the Greek where Jesus is speaking, uh, or Aramaic in a couple of places, There's no quotation marks there. We don't know exactly where he spoke. And in fact, there's a couple of sections where we literally don't know who was speaking or where Jesus starts and others and someone else ends. We don't know because it doesn't say, because there's no quotation marks and there's no red letters in the Greek. So does that denigrate the power of Jesus or the power of the scripture? Of course not. Actually, it should do the opposite. We should elevate all of scripture as God-breathed and useful, as Timothy says. He's right, by the way. Jesus did not, quote, come to abolish the law or the prophets in Matthew 5. As he says, he says, I have not come to abolish them, abolish them, but to fulfill them. In other words, the law and the prophets, the Older Testament, are God's word. And Jesus, in his speech, is God's word. Jesus even rebuked some of his people and some of the people around for not believing in the Old Testament. He said in John 5, Uh, 46, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for Moses wrote of me. But if you don't believe his, Moses' writings, how will you believe my words? In other words, this whole thing is God's word. So don't get stuck on this whole idea that this MSNBC host says, all you need to do is read those red letters, everything else doesn't matter. That is not only very dangerous, it's in fact wrong. That's not the right way to read the Bible. You can love the words of Jesus. You should listen to, believe, and act on the words of Jesus. But but really, really, the words of Jesus are the words of God. The words of God are the words of God. And, and you need to read all of the Bible as if it were the words of God to us. And for our instruction, for our teaching, for our exhortation, for our discipline, for all of these things. That's what the word of God really does. Jesus even went on to say, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. What I say, therefore, I say as the father has told me, John 12, 49 through 50. Everything in the red letters is also in the black letters and vice versa, because the word of God is the word of God. This is a really important point and I don't want you to miss it. And this MSNBC host is literally out to lunch. I'm going to move on from this. I think I have beat this one to death, but let's keep going on a couple other points. So we've been talking about living and pro-life and protecting babies because that really is an important thing. We've talked about it from the opposite side of people trying to quote scripture to say that killing babies is good uh, or okay or heresy if you don't do it. I mean, again, a bunch of ridiculous things. But I wanted to check back in on this uh, spate of all kinds of vandalism, firebombing, um, spray painting, 
window destruction, uh, destroying of churches and defacing of churches. I mean, there has been dozens upon dozens, there have been dozens upon dozens of attacks on pro-life centers, on churches, on other pregnancy care centers. And this is an important story that I came across that I'm just not hearing anybody talk about. Uh, This is via Fox News, and the, the title of this article is um, zero arrests have been made in at least 17 Jane's revenge attacks on pro-life organizations. So it like, do you understand what's happening here? Like these arrests or, or I mean, these, um, attacks have happened and the organization Jane's revenge has literally taken credit for it. And yet in months, this goes all the way back to, I believe March, there have been no arrests. Zero. Zero arrests. Does that seem weird to anybody? Does that seem like, does anybody care about this? Uh, Like, do the authorities really care that all of these places have been bombed, uh, like literally firebombed and and taken care of? Let's, Let's read some from this article. So according to Fox News, not a single arrest has been made in the more than a dozen attacks on pro life organizations across the country claimed, that's important, by left wing pro-abortion group named James Revenge. James Revenge has literally claimed responsibility for at least 18 arson vandalism attacks on crisis pregnancy centers, other faith-based organizations, churches throughout the U.S. since May 2. So this goes all the way back to May since the leaked opinion, right? Not the actual opinion that went through on Mississippi versus Dallas, but the leaked opinion on that. And the FBI first told Fox News in June it had launched an investigation. So here we are in September. So since June, and the FBI's, <laughs> I was going to insert, rigorous investigation has yielded zero arrests in any of these vandalism cases. The FBI said in September 7th statement it was still investigating the, quote, series of attacks and threats targeting pregnancy resource centers, faith-based organizations, reproductive health clinics, etc., as well as judicial buildings, the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, And then the FBI made no mention of Jane's revenge specifically. The first of the attacks occurred on May 8th. So all the way back in May 8th on Wisconsin Family Action um, in in Madison, Wisconsin. I reported the story then. Uh, I don't have the picture today. I showed the picture then, but it said uh, in spray paint, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. Or if abortions aren't safe, neither are you. Uh, There were a couple of different tags of the spray paint in that. Again, since May, no arrests have been made in the case, which apparently is still considered active, according to the police in Madison. Family Action President Jelaine Appling, I might have done that name wrong, but you get the idea, said, quote, not only have no arrests been made, but to the best of my knowledge, no person of interest has even been apprehended or brought in for questioning in Wisconsin. So, Take a moment and let that sink in. No one has been arrested since May for the firebombing of a pregnancy center. And not only has no one been arrested, apparently they haven't even questioned anybody, allegedly, according, according to this report. They haven't brought in anybody for questioning. They haven't arrested anybody. But, but it's under investigation since May. We're now in September. And through this article, I'm not going to read through the whole thing. It lists literally dozens of these. Um, but it, it stands to point out that this report only compiled the attacks that were specifically claimed by Jane's Revenge. There are actually dozens and dozens 
more that are attributed to the group, but not specifically been claimed by them. So this seems like a one-way issue. When things go wrong from a leftward perspective, it's the end of the republic and a threat to our democracy. But when people literally burn buildings and attack churches, well, nobody has even questions. It's strange. We're going to take one more turn before we are done here today, and we're going to go back to corporations in America. Same theme, a little bit different tack. And this was an article that I guess is interesting, sad. I don't know what uh, what to put on this, what label to put on this, but this is a weird this is a weird one. Here is the headline: Companies fund more abortion. Uh, I'm sorry, companies are paying less for maternity leave, but paying more for abortion travel. So a new survey from the Society for Human Resource Management, SHRM, revealed that there is a new trend, according to the Wall Street Journal, that found the number of companies offering paid maternity leave dropped 18% since 2020. So in two years, the number of companies paying maternity leave dropped 18%. And there was a 17% drop in paternity leave. Um, I don't care as much about that. I mean, it's nice, but what we're really talking about here is the moms, right? The dads, I mean, I love you dads. I'm a dad, but dad's got a dad, you know, like we're, we're supposed to go and work. So anyway, but I think it is weird and, and perhaps a disturbing trend that moms are getting paid less to be moms. You're not paid as much anymore, apparently, to go and have a baby. But there's also a catch here. So according to this article, fewer employers are offering paid adoption and foster care leave. And according to this SHRM, surveyed 3,000 businesses, companies offering paid adoption leave dropped to 28% from 36 and foster care dropped from uh, 28 to 22%. So that went way down. Now, here's one example. Hulu. One of the companies that cut paid family leave, um, maternity leave, is Hulu. Hulu is a Disney-owned company. And we've talked about Disney a lot here, so here we go again. Hulu decreased paid parental leave by more than 50%. So now, employees can only take eight weeks of paid leave. So a mother who gets pregnant, has a baby, can now only take eight weeks of paid leave. Before, it was 20. 20 might seem like a lot. You can argue either way, but the reality is it used to be 20. Now it is down to eight, more than half. So Hulu, again, is owned by Walt Disney Corporation. Now, meanwhile, Disney, in reference to the Mississippi versus Dobbs and the Roe versus Wade decision that just came out, banning uh, the nationwide uh, implementation of abortion, uh, Disney has added a benefit to their employees to send them to other states to have abortions. So in June, in response to this overturning of Roe v. Wade, Disney said it will pay employees travel expenses to have their babies aborted. They'll pay to other states. You can fly to another state. You can stay in another state. You can do all the procedures, and Disney will pay for it. But Hulu, a Disney company, at the same time reduced more than half of their maternity leave. You see where this is going? And 
dozens of other companies are doing the same thing. Warner Brothers, Netflix, Google, Apple, Microsoft. I'm not even going to go through the whole list. You can look it up somewhere. There are a ton of companies that are doing the same thing. And in fact, there's even two companies that I know of at the moment, Lyft and Dick Sporting Goods, that are facing um, suits, lawsuits, for allegedly discriminating against pregnant employees for offering to pay their abortion travel expenses, but not providing equivalent benefits for mothers who choose life for their babies. In other words, this is not their example. This is my example. Hear this correctly. For instance, some of these companies would offer to pay $2,000 to go and get an abortion for travel expenses, etc., but not pay that money if you want to keep your baby. And they're being sued for it. Rightly so. We should be encouraging people to have more children. Because again, over and over, I've told you that we are actually in a population collapse. If you don't believe me, listen to Elon Musk, who's sending people into space. Anyway, that's the side point. But, but really, we're crashing our population in America and across the world, and yet people are getting sterilized. I brought you those stories before. People are getting abortions. Companies are paying for abortions. And again, according to this article and according to Right to Life United Kingdom, the spokesperson Catherine Robertson said, quote, Disney is now actively creating incentives for its employees at Hulu to have abortions rather than pursue parenthood. She's exactly right about this. She went on to say, not only is it paying for travel to procure an abortion, it is slashing benefits for parents. This is a gross form of utilitarian calculation where it appears that it is cheaper to encourage an employee to have an abortion rather than provide a benefits to assist with child rearing. That is exactly the point that I've been saying for literally months and months and months now. If you think your company is being generous by saying they care about me, they're going to provide me with an abortion, you have not done the math that they've done. It costs them so much less to have you do an abortion than to pay for your maternity leave, for your health care, and every other cost associated with that. It is thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars less. They don't care about you. They just want you to work there and assemble your widgets and be a good little cog in the wheel and then they don't have to replace you. They don't care about you. I, I, and I, I hate to say that. And if you haven't noticed that, I just I want to bring this reality to you because this really is the reality of these corporations. They're interested in the bottom line. You could argue otherwise, but the facts speak for themselves. These are the actions that they're taking. They're cutting maternity benefits and at the same time increasing abortion benefits. It's pretty clear what they're doing and I hope more people see this and speak out against it because again we should be promoting building families because going back to our scripture. I'm going to read Psalm 127. I'm going to read some from that in a moment because we'll get back to scripture about this and that's where we always start and end but you have to understand that families are a gift from God, and they're the way the world works. They're the kernel that the community is born out of. They provide the building of values and morals and, of course, faith. And without them, this is the world that we live in. And it's not a great world because of that. It's not that I don't have hope. I actually have a lot of hope because... God is still in control. Jesus is still the king of the world. He is the king of heaven and earth, uh, Matthew 28. And so we don't have to worry, but we do need to really lean into these values 
and this love of kids and families. And we really need to develop them the best that we can. So I'm going to read, I'm not going to read all of Psalm 127, even though it is really good. I'm just going to read verse 3. Verse 3 is really the key of this. Behold, children are a gift from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. This is a really good passage, and it's a really good place to end to remember that children are a gift. They're a blessing. A family, a big family, is a blessing. So if you are not married, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, teach them the ways of the Lord. God bless. I hope that you follow after God with your heart and soul and mind and your strength and that you love your neighbor when you get all of these priorities lined up in the correct order. And of course, as always, I hope you keep the faith.